When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's a horror movie that isn't for everyone. It's a movie that's going to make you really kind of think, I think, about some of, you know, the, the ugly face of Britain as well. Um, but it's a movie that I, I strongly think more people need to see. So I would recommend this often. You know, at its heart, it is a ghost story, right? Really. Mm. But it's got so much to say about everything else too. I think that's kind of one of the things his house does very, very well. You need to be in the right place and the right frame of mind, I think, to watch it. But it, it's definitely one of the most effective horror films I've seen in um, quite some time. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Flipswatch Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Ian. Hey, guys. Graham. Hey. Helen. Hello. And we're going to be talking about his house. Thank you, as always, to the mighty people for the mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts and anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us. And you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and on Instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello film fans, welcome to Flix Watcher Podcast. Joining us today we have Ian and Graham. If you could please say hello to our listeners and tell them a little bit more about who you are and what you do please. Hey guys, so I'm Ian, so I'm one half of the podcast Nobody Asked For. Uh, so we're a movie and TV podcast revolving entirely around top threes. So every week we pick uh, a movie or TV topic nobody asked us to talk about and we figure out what our top three for that would be so we've done stupid things like uh movies we would put a wrestler into and uh things like that well that begs the question what movies would you put a wrestler into uh i think one of them we had was uh so being john malkovich but instead of john malkovich it's john cena so it can be that kind of a, that that easy a link i say that, easy, that quote easy link it's any, anything that we would want to see uh a wrestler thrown into i, I mean i copped out and put dave batista and everything right that was uh yes was you did choice. so uh <laughs> because and i quote he's mostly on the way already <laughs> <laughs> um and who are you just started talking there 
Yes, so I'm the other half of podcast nobody asked for. Um, I don't do all the uh, fancy editing and um, fun Instagram stuff that Ian does. I just turn up and, and talk rubbish for a couple of hours every week, but it's it's good fun. Um, and yeah, what started as um, us being very bored during lockdown has um, has blossomed into something that uh, we didn't really ever expect it would. So it's been been quite a ride. So it's one of those lockdown podcasts. Yeah. We're, we're, we're white guys in our 30s during lockdown. It was uh, it was sourdough or a podcast, and we went with a podcast. Well, fair enough. Well, <laughs> we're here today to talk about films. You guys talk about films generally anyway, but we're going to talk about his house. Graham, it was your choice, wasn't it? <laughs> it was indeed, yeah. So first of all, can you tell us why you chose it? And then we'll get this, the countdown timer up, and you've got 60 seconds to tell us your synopsis. So in terms of why we chose it, um, it is... Uh, I think it's a movie that's not talked about enough. I don't really know many people that have seen it. And I guess the big draw for me was to get it in front of a load of people, really, and hope that, um, you know, given this is kind of an opportunity to promote films that everyone can access on Netflix, Mm -hmm. it's there, want people to go out and watch it and enjoy it. Um, And I think we'll come on to a few more bits later, but it's also one of those ones where I think horror gets a bad rap uh, a lot of the time. And this is so much more than a, a kind of, out and out horror movie and i think um that's another reason could be interested to delve into it so timer is ready to go 60 seconds and your synopsis time starts now so his house uh it follows two south sudanese refugees uh, rial and bol who have made their way to the uk via a very dangerous crossing of, of the uh, channel um they lose a lot of people on their boat including their daughter and it kind of follows them once they reach the uk so they put up in a council house and a council estate i mean it's in a awful state of affairs um and then things kind of go from bad to worse because we realize not only are they in this um kind of scary foreign land to them with not the nicest people around them but they're also being haunted by a a night witch or an apeth for and uh, what they're told is living a life that's not theirs um so basically they're trying to deal with all of this supernatural awfulness in their home whilst also trying to integrate into a new life and survive the horrors of the uk asylum system five seconds left to spare i think that's a great synopsis very nice me and helen always hate doing it when we do it for our own every every hundred episodes so uh, <laughs> well played to you i thought i mean i'd like to start with the um you talk about surviving the horrors of the uk asylum system and I, when when the film started, I thought, oh, fucking hell, it's just going to be being ragged on for being black, being foreign, being um, like in a place that didn't belong. And everyone just wanted to throw like stones at them. But I was actually really quite surprised that that didn't happen. Um, obviously, there's a bit of like un- uneasiness, but um, I was quite impressed, quote unquote, that that wasn't the the main kind of thrust of the, of the narrative. What, what do you guys think about that? See, I would say that, I think there's elements of it, and I hmm. think um, I think a lot of it's reflected in the horror, right? And that's that's intentionally done, right? They're yeah. they're kind of mirroring what's going on in in reality with what's going. And you know, we can talk whether it's reality, whether it's happening, but with the the supernatural elements in in the movie, I think you know Matt Smith's character, whilst he is a bit of a kind of um, I don't know, he's got some laddish sensibilities about him, I suppose I'd say, but. At the same time, he kind of, you know, he lets them off with the issue with the holes in the wall and things. So, yeah, they're probably not as treated as badly as you could expect. But then there are some scenes, um, particularly like the uh, where Rial gets lost in the estate and things like that, which are kind of painting, you know, 
Britain at its worst at, at times as well. Yeah, I mean, for, for me, it, it's kind of, it's, it, there are parts of it that are quite similar to Get Out in that the only way the tension works is if you think there's going to be something horrific, you know, mm. uh, horrifically racist about to happen. So parts of the film only work if you assume we're going to treat refugees badly which is kind of a big eye-opening thing for a film to make you think because you shouldn't fit you shouldn't feel like you said on edge and tense when someone's lost trying to find the doctors or about to go up to someone or there's a couple of things when bowl is i think it's the lady above them upstairs mm. um there's bits cat where lady. you catch it yeah yeah cat lady <laughs> you, you catch glimpses of her and your first thought is ah she's gonna something's going to happen here because they're refugees. And I think it's a very interesting, it, it's played like it's horror because, you know, in a lot of instances it is, but it was kind of, it, it was interesting, like you said, that it wasn't kind of the main focus of a film like this. Cause I think uh, a lesser filmmaker would have made it revolve entirely around that. Yeah. Um, well, for this, it was just kind of part of a much more interesting story. It was trying to kind of tell about, you know, like even just kind of, integration you know what you're leaving behind what you're keeping that kind of thing yeah i was just gonna add that i think like the doctor probably represents most people in that we're kind of largely sympathetic but don't really know what to say and our experiences are so far away from the experiences they've had that when confronted with the truth we don't quite know what to say and also the bit that i've forgotten about from the first time watch it's actually quite funny when he goes to the pub, well, the, mm. the church to sing the song about Peter Crouch. There's actually these kind of like strange moments of humour in there as well. I think that's one of the pieces I kind of picked up on because he's, he's sat there like, what's, what, what's first of all, this guy whistles at him, which already like put, puts yeah. people on edge. <laughs> but he's like, you want them refugees? You're like, oh, okay, here we go. I've got some stuff for you. And like, okay, really, here we go. And then he's got like a, a bag of biscuits. And they're like, okay. And then he's like singing about Peter Crouch and everyone's joining in with him. And you're like, what's going so that's part of the unsettling i agree with you actually i think that's what kind of like puts you on edge in this film yeah it, it's it's weird that it feels like a twist that that wasn't the main <laughs> the main part of it but yeah i mean there's obviously kind of little little things like i think graham said about the the matt smith character who i mean matt smith in general we can talk about for a while but it's like the whole one of the good ones mm. stuff with it is also kind of like deeply unsettling as well it's all the comments about like oh you know it's bigger than my house kind of thing as well and it's just those little kind of slight jabs and jibes at like the uh but and you're saying all this when you're walking into a home that is full of like decomposing pizza and cockroaches and the doors falling off i think it was i mean those those kind of barbed that they're, they're double-edged aren't because first of all they're all saying it they, they were all genuinely like this is bigger than our house but at the same time it's like okay that's bigger than our house um, and there's the, the duplicitousness about the statements. And I think a lot of the terms are used very carefully um, that would almost sail across a lesser, a lesser mortal's head um, <laughs> if they were said. So yeah, that one of the good ones is is a barbed comment. Um, does Matt Smith mean it in the way he does? You know, I, I, I tend to, I was thinking, I think Matt Smith's one of the good ones in this, in this story uh, for the refugees. So I'm using that phrase back at him, to be honest with you. It's also a bit like, is he is he the villain or is he a good one? And mm. it's kind of, it sways in between because 
it's just quite clever, like you said, with the language. But yeah, you're just like, are we on his side? Are we not on his side? There's, there are lots of bits in it where you're like, oh, I don't, um, it's kind of like, tests you a little bit and you kind of have to have a little bit of a reflection and a bit of a rethink. I think I definitely reflected a lot more the second time around watching it on what I was listening to and what kind of my prejudice maybe were going into it or my expectations. Yeah. And I think that's kind of where uh, Graham mentioned in the beginning, I think horror gets a bad rap for stuff like this because it's made us think all of these things about, you know, the refugee experience, uh, racism people would be dealing with, like, again, like things like coded language, stuff like that. And really, it's a film about a witch. <laughs> like, it, it's, I, I always think horror is really well placed to address issues like this without people necessarily realizing that's what it's doing. I think that's kind of one of the things his house does very, very well, is even though it's, it, you know, at its heart, it is a ghost story, right? Really. Mm. But it's got so much to say about everything else too. Well, I think where where I fall in the line with horror often is, as Helen knows, as listeners of the show know, if someone says, let's watch a horror film, nah, I'm not sure if I'd do so. And uh, we've got a few horror films, got to watch up some classic ones I've never watched because I've just never been interested. But when it does kind of interest me is when horror is an allegory for something else. And I think in this film, it's about guilt really like wholeheartedly the guilt because obviously we're going to spoilers here nagak who is their daughter wasn't actually their daughter they actually stole her from her, her mum if if you believe this how the how the film plays out stole her from her mum and then she ends up dying in the crossing across the sea and that for me i think is what drives a lot of the kind of guilt that's that's festering within them whether it's manifested in real life by the the apeth the the witch or whether it's just like manifestation in, in another way and and that's what kind of does elevate it above you know just the standard whatever that would be slasher monster in the house kind of horror defending horror films most most horror films do have something else to say other than under mm. the stabbiness but um yeah I, I think also like i think the horror is played really well like the kind of like creepy scratchy noises monsters in the shadow element of it it's kind of old school, but I think it works really, really well in this context. There's a couple of kind of, like the bit where he's kind of pulling the, the, the cable and it turns into the, the seaweed rope is, is really, mm. really like lovely. I think for a horror film, it, it looks really kind of like beautiful and dark as well. I think that's the, uh, just with, um, there's so many bits in it that feel quite unnerving and uncomfortable even though they're not that scary. So like there's the, you know, he's standing in the, just before that scene where the um, wallpaper falls down and you can't get the light to switch on and things like that. And it's just, again, it's it's really slow burning. It's quite atmospheric. There's a good use of, of the, sort of the scoring and the music in the film, but also I think light plays a big role in it as well. There are elements of the, I, I when I rewatched it, I watched it in the day and there are elements of the film that are, genuinely quite hard to see because of how you know if you've got a if you've got a um window in the room you're watching it in it's quite hard to make everything out because it is that dark at, at points but they use it to such interesting effects to kind of build that tension yeah i, I don't know about you guys like or the people who've rewatched it anyway um because i knew because you kind of knew what the reveals would be in each scene i spotted so much like just in terms of like people's faces like um the scene where he's uh i think it is the light when you were talking about so after he's like smashed up the wall 
um, I noticed so many more people in that scene the second time. Mm. Um, well, the first time I watched it, you just kind of see the the main, uh, I think, supposed to be their inverted commas daughter's character wearing the mask. But every hole has got a face in, and I didn't notice that the first time. And there's a couple of moments where, like you said, it so effectively uses kind of darkness and things like that. You're you're not even necessarily catching everything that's there. It is it is a very, very creepy film right from the start. And both Chopin, Dirisu, and um, former guest in this podcast, by the way, guys, and uh, Wunmi Masako were fantastic in this. And it's great to see kind of British actors playing these kind of different roles. And Wunmi's now in, um, as a lot of black actors do go, a lot of British actors generally, they're now in the States, you know, getting their, getting their kind of just, just desserts in, in the English. She's got her MCU, uh, Boots now as well, isn't she? In she was Loki. in Loki. She was in yeah. We Own the City, the David Simon uh, TV show. I really, uh, she, I, she was in, um, I thought she was very good in Lovecraft Country. Um, yeah, I haven't seen her yet. That's that's the one outlier of hers I haven't seen yet. It's good. It's, I I was a little bit. Mental, um, isn't it? I've heard. Yeah, the the book is, I, I read the book beforehand. So it was a little bit like, you know, when you've, when you've really enjoyed the source material, like that didn't happen. That's not the same. So I was kind of taken out of it a little bit, but her character and how she plays Ruby in it is is fantastic. So um, yeah, and she's been in a hell of a lot of great stuff as well. There's, mm. there's the um, Black Mirror episode was, as well. She was in um, Luther. Yeah, but it uh, wouldn't. It, a, a film like this wouldn't have worked without. You, there's a, again the, to to be very generic. Some horror doesn't need good performances in, <laughs> right? Let, let's we can hold our hands up and admit that. But this needed people who were you know you could engage with and kind of you know empathize with like that and that they were incredible I, I i'm not sure it really could have even worked with many well, so, other people so convincing as a couple aren't they and you yeah. you you don't get much of you get a little bit of flashbacks and context but you don't get much but just from having them together for this short runtime you can really sort of get that they they've been through a lot and it's not been easy for them, but they're still together and they're still determined to, to work through it is. <laughs> Whether that is is like making a sacrifice for a night witch or um, <laughs> trying to um, keep their house in order from the kind of like inspectors that come around. So, yeah, I, I think both of them are, are brilliant in it. And I seeing them in the Western clothing is, is just one of those scenes that, it's kind of funny, but it's also really, really sad as well. And you just think, no, don't do that. Like, wear, wear, wear your clothes. But um, yeah, great, great performances. Especially when you consider it's such a small cast as well, right? So they're, they're, the screen time for those two is must be, what I mean, upwards of 60 70% where it's just them on the screen. And mm. they carry this movie flawlessly. And yeah, you obviously, Matt Smith puts in a great performance, but he's a bit part in comparison. He probably had a day. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think between one or the other, at least, is generally always there. And if they're not, it's because you're seeing it from their point of view. So, yeah, yeah you, you needed people, I, I, I think, like that. And it, from, I mean, again, kind of, you know, the the work that they're getting now, clearly they're kind of on the ascendancy as well, Yeah, um, which is always good to see. Okay, guys, um, unless there's anything else to say, but can Karen talking about his house in this uh should we head over to the scores hello i'm hannah flint from the first film club 
a film podcast series dedicated to established and emerging talent, both in front of and behind the camera, and the feature debuts that launch their careers. From the new drama Mass to the cult classic Heathers, each episode is dedicated to a film, a guest, and the behind the scenes stories, memories, and advice from their time on set. Find us, the first film club, wherever you listen to your stripped media podcasts. Come join the club. Welcome to the Flixwatcher scores. All of our scores are out of five. You may have decimal places if you wish. And uh, we will start with you, please, Graham, with your recommendability. So this is a tricky one because um, the whole reason I picked it was because I wanted to recommend it to people. However, <laughs> I appreciate that it's a difficult film to pitch to a friend, right? Here's a horror movie about some South Sudanese refugees and a witch. So I'm going to say it's going to fall squarely in the middle as a three. Um, it needs to be recommended, but it is a tough recommend. Squarely in the middle is 2.5, by the way, just so. Oh, just it is. <laughs> Absolutely. You can have your three. <laughs> okay, I'll take it through three because I want more people to watch it. <laughs> Ian. I mean, a, a, a similar argument, but I've gone four for it. So I, for, for me, it's, again, I'm kind of, it is a difficult sell. Um, it is, you know, again, it is a, it is a horror movie that isn't for everyone. It's a movie that's going to make you really kind of think, I think about some of, you know, the, the ugly face of Britain as well. Um, but it's a movie that I, I strongly think more people need to see. So I would recommend this often. So I, I think it's only fair that it's a four. Helen? I'm, I'm going to go a bit higher. I'm going to go 4.5. Um, I've had recommended to quite a lot of people because this kind of came on Netflix. I think it was early last year, I think it probably was. So we were still in lockdown. So anyone who asked for a recommendation um, got this from me. I think if you kind of give like a little bit of info and but not too much, then, you know, it's it's a ghost story, isn't it? It's It's kind of like a modern day ghost story. And it's a British horror film as well. So, you, you know, you've got to support our horror, horror industry where you can. So what are you saying? 4.5? Yes, please. Um, I'm going 4.2 as, as a as a non-horror fan. I'll probably, oh, well, I'll, I'll leave my other scores for later on. Um, but I was generally surprised by it. I think the the thing that I haven't, I haven't seen it before, but when you suggested it, I wasn't hanging my head like, oh, for fuck's sake. Uh, it was because it's because it's Chopin won me and... Uh, Matt Smith uh, in the in the roles, and I, I think they all played a blinder. Um, so I would recommend at that point. I'd tell people, look, it's a bit creepy. But then we we had was it under the shadow we had a, a while back, um, Helen. Yeah, it's kind of that similar vibes. Based in based in around on the on the gin, which is a Middle Eastern South Asian uh, ghost story, and here had Apeth. So I think there's a lot of um, a lot of similarities. But I really enjoyed. Um, under the shadow and i'd recommend this for the, to the same people uh repeat viewing score graham um this i i i think i'd probably go for a three again here um i have seen it multiple times um but it's i guess it's not the um it's not an easy watch right it's it may it's it's quite it's quite visceral there's a lot of um it's quite heavy um I'm not. I'm not sitting back to chill out and watch this movie. So I'm not. You know, it's not something that you you put on on a Sunday afternoon. I don't think. Um, so yeah, I will watch it again probably because it is fantastic. But it's not the kind of thing I'm going to watch at my leisure, as it were. I need to be in the mood. Ian. Yeah. So I'm. I'm going for uh, four again on this one. I think. Um, 
it definitely does stand up to repeat viewings. Like I said, there were a lot of things that I noticed the second time around that I didn't notice in the first one. Um, but again, it is so it's so heavy going in places that it's uh, yeah, it's, it's not something that you know, it's not a once a month kind of film, is it? It takes uh, you need to be in the right place in the right frame of mind, I think, to watch it. But it, it's definitely one of the most effective horror films I've seen in um, quite some time. So what was your score, sorry? Uh, so four. Four. Helen. Yeah, so I have seen this before and I probably wouldn't have watched it again had you not recommended it, but I actually really enjoyed watching it maybe the second time a little bit more. Um, not quite sure why that was, but um, I think once you're, you kind of like understand a bit more about kind of maybe the, the, the Night Witch and, and how it appears and things, you can kind of um, take in everything else in a bit more detail. Not really sure. Am I going to watch it again? Not 100% sure whether I'm going to watch it again anytime soon. So probably a three. Oh, still pretty high. Um, I'm going to go for a 1.5. I can't see myself watching it again. But, you know, stranger things have happened. Small screen score, Graham. Uh, I'm going to say that this this works um, works absolutely fine on the small screen. I mean, it was it was a Netflix original production. Um, it was it was never was it a Netflix original. It wasn't bought in by Netflix. Uh, it was. I think it was a. It was definitely distributed by them. I don't think they. It, it maybe doesn't fall under the original production, as it were. But it, that's how okay. it was first distributed, at least. Uh, I don't. I don't know that it's hit cinemas. It may have hit somewhere like the Prince Charles or, or something like that, but um, it certainly wasn't screening at the local Odeon. And I think, given um, the the way the movie works, and it's it it is quite claustrophobic. Everything does feel quite. You you kind of feel like you're um, you are in the house, right? And I think, given that, it works absolutely fine on a on a TV in a living room. Um, I'll give it a five here, Ian. Yeah, I mean. Uh everything Graham just said, really. Uh, I've gone for 4.5 just because I still would really want to see this in the cinema. Um, I think it does suit the the cinema screen, but I think a smaller screen, because the film is so inherently claustrophobic itself, um, if anything, it kind of suits it quite well. Um, and again, I don't think Netflix would have you know, distributed it if it was quote-unquote big screen cinema kind of thing i mean have you seen um what was that black and white film we had on it set in south america set in mexico roma roma yeah i mean that's the netflix original which is like which aches for the cinema yeah like, no that's that that's fair um yeah. <laughs> but yeah his house i i do really want to see it on the yeah. big screen which is why i can't give it a five but i still think it a small screen doesn't necessarily detract from it okay uh helen yeah, I'm going to go with a five. I think it, it works fine on it. Uh, had it have had a mainstream cinema release, yeah, I might have gone to go and see it, but not 100% sure whether I would. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 been on Netflix for a long time. Hopefully it's going to be on there still. So, yeah, go, go and watch it. It's only an hour and three minutes as well. I've got to say that on repeats. It's super short. Um, I'm going to go for four. I think I would quite like to have seen this in the cinema uh, the first time. Um, I know it's claustrophobic and it does kind of work well in a smaller screen, but I think there is a lot of detail, um, like you were saying, Ian, about what goes, what's going on behind the, the holes in the walls. Although some some parts I thought were just a bit, like when whenever they're, they're in the water, I was just like, well, they're in a pool somewhere. It just didn't look anything like they're in the sea. <laughs> Which Use is fair, no station. That. You know, sorry? 
Imagination. Well, no, it's that they're taking it, they're taking my imagination away from me that by not doing it that well. <laughs> it had a bit of an upside down vibe to, to it, didn't it? It was just uh, no rough seas or anything, just like a yeah. water floor. <laughs> so, um, but the, I mean, yeah, what did I say? Four uh, engagement score, Graham. Uh, here, I I'm going to go for a four point five. It's slow burning and it keeps you guessing obviously you've got the twists that come towards the end and there's this whole kind of little breadcrumbs of like why this is happening to them but you don't kind of really know why it's happening to them until later so that kind of keeps you throughout i would have given it a five but i had to pause it when i rewatched it because i was doing it on my lunch break and didn't have enough time so i wouldn't be truthful to you to say i haven't stopped watching it so yeah 4.5 ian uh yeah so i'm going uh i'm going five for this one um, it is kind of all, it ticks all of the boxes for a film that I wouldn't be able to turn off. Like we kind of just said, it's uh, it is a swift hour and a half long, so it's not even the time constraints unless you're watching it on your lunch break, obviously. <laughs> but it, it's not even the time constraints for having to kind of sit there. Um, and yeah, it's just it's just a very good film. I, I think if someone put it on, it's it's just on, right? I don't think <laughs> I would uh, I would leave. Helen. So uh, yeah, I've got 4.5 as well. I think it's one of those that you don't have to be, it's not like one you have to like watch with extreme focus or it's going to be like, you're not going to know what's going on. And yeah, kind of balancing it out from the first time and the, the second time watching it. So yeah, pretty strong. And then I was just going to say like, it kind of really, if I was doing like a weird sort of double bill, then I would double bill this with Limbo. I don't know if anyone saw Limbo that came out. It's another kind of, refugee experience not a horror um but kind of like looking at it from a completely different angle and i I saw them both at around the same time so if i was programming a double bill if i was bringing his house to the screen for you i would do it with a double bill with limbo it'd be a bit strange but it'd be it'd be good two good bills so 4.5 i've gone for 4.1 for engagement score i think it's tight but at the same time I, i was very much aware that I hadn't had much time just to chill out. So I was like on Reddit at the same time and Twitter and that kind of stuff. Um, but I still enjoyed it. Um, and I kept, I was, I was pulled along. And one thing it can lose me is when there's flashbacks or move away from the, from a scenario from a particular location. But that's where a lot of the story develops. If you choose to believe that that's what happened in their past that brought them to where they are now. Um, which uncovered a lot of stuff, which is which is pretty dark, and that that kept me through, uh, and that gives us an overall score of three point nine eight seven five zero, just a hair's breadth under four. There, very good, very good indeed. Ian Graham, can you tell us where we can find you online? Tell us about your podcast, and we'll say goodbye to the listeners. You can find us um, on all of the social platforms. So we are um, nobody asked for pods on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, we're something different on Instagram, so, so you always, you always do that, do that Ian. <laughs> uh, we are the podcast nobody asked for. Uh, all one word on Instagram and Patreon as well. Yeah, and then we have our website, uh, podcastnobodyasked.co.uk, which has links to everything and uh, all the wonderful stuff you may or may not want to know about us. Well, guys, thank you very much for bringing his house. I've never seen it before, never heard of it before. Maybe I did, but it was kind of just past me. But thank you very much. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having us. Bye.
enjoyed this episode of flix watcher podcast why not leave us a five-star review on itunes you can also follow us at flix on twitter and we're at flix on instagram Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Ben and that's Rockwood, R-O-K-K Wood Audio. Tell them Flix Watcher sent you. just heard a stripped media production.